You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right, good morning. My name is Kenny, and I'm happy to be here. Are you happy to be here this morning? Wow. So... I've been gone for a while. I'm a minister here. I'm a student at Pepperdine University. And I've been gone for a while. And I know some of you are probably wondering, where have you been? Let's all say that. Where have you been? One more time. Where have you been? That's a good question. Five weeks is a long time. And to update you all, I was in the U.S. Air Force training program to become a chaplain. Now, here's a picture of my flight, and this is the first week, and guys, let me tell you, I've never been yelled at so much in my life. I'm a grown man, and I've been yelled at. And that's, that's me scared out of my mind. I was the flight leader for that first week. I raised my hand and volunteered. Big mistake. But I loved it. Uh, here's her graduation. I'm glad we made it. Some people didn't make it. Uh, they had a PT test, physical therapy, or physical training test, and you gotta run a mile and a half in a certain time, you gotta do a certain amount of push-ups in a minute, you gotta, you gotta do a bunch of, bunch of sit-ups in a, in a minute, and then if you don't pass it, they send you home! So we actually have someone in our flight that got sent home in the middle of it. So it was sad. It was hurt. But the people that made it are on this screen, and it really means a lot to, tr- to pass this. Here's some of our funny pictures. Uh, I was a chaplain candidate. There are doctors and lawyers that, that were in our mix, and they like to make fun of the chaplains a lot because we're supposed to be nice and funly, fun people and friendly. Uh, but there's my friend. I caught him sleeping as well. His name is Ashton. And he was one of the funniest guys at, uh, in my flight, probably in the whole, the whole wing. And he actually was the wing commander. He was on top of everyone. And he controlled everything. So it was hard to catch him doing weird or strange things. He was always on his guard, very professional. But when we were leaving to go to the airport, you guys know those people that take their time through the security check? Like they forget that you have to actually abide by TSA standards. You guys know those people? And you're waiting. You need to get to your airline. So so my friend here was one of those guys. And I got him on video. Let's see what he does here. People waiting for this guy who's just incompetent. So I got him right when we were about to leave. Like I got some footage of you being unprofessional, and uh, we sent it to the group, and that was a lot of fun. So I had a good time there. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our series on parables. Last week Ken was able to kick it off. You did a great job. And today, the title of my lesson is Hidden Treasure. Can everyone say Hidden Treasure? Hidden Let's say it one more time. Hidden Treasure. Hidden We're going to be looking at three main thoughts today. First, real treasure is always worth it. Second, joy comes in the process, not from the outcome. And third, Jesus' joy is that you are his treasure. Real treasure is always worth it. Joy comes in the process, not from the outcome. And Jesus' joy is that you are his treasure. You guys ready? 
Let's start with this. Has anyone taken the Myers-Briggs test before? Personality testing? Are we into that? Or Enneagram or stuff like that? So when we were at the Air Force training, we had to do this. And I haven't done this in a while. Now, remember, personality tests are supposed to signify something about you. It's not who you are. Does that make sense? It gives you an idea maybe of some things that are predominantly like yourself. So this is my personality test. And it's interesting because it breaks down to strengths and weaknesses. And the whole point of training and trying to get become more of an, more of an airman is that you understand your strengths and you understand your weaknesses. And you use your strengths to help everyone and you grow in your weaknesses and other people's strengths can help you. So you guys want to see some of my strengths and weaknesses? I'm being vulnerable here. Don't make fun of me, okay? Here's some of the strengths. Quick, imaginative, strategic mind. Absolutely. High self-confidence. Of course. Independent and decisive. Amen. Hardworking and determined. You know it. Open-minded and a jack of all trades. I know, right? Pretty good. But here's some of the weaknesses. Arrogant. It's funny how that started, like the first one on the list, arrogant. Uh, that's definitely not... Ministers are never arrogant, right? Judgmental. Mm, not outwardly, maybe... Overly analytical. That's definitely me, okay? I'll tell you that. Loathe highly structured environments. Well, I'm in church right now, right? But here's the thing. After looking at all the weaknesses, I actually agree. I agree with this. But there is one weakness that my whole flight, we had to share it to our entire flight, that my whole flight made fun of me of. And it's something that I completely disagree with, and I'm debating if I should share it right now, but remember, it's architect. They, they do it for, I didn't, I disagree. Clueless in romance. So here's what, I send the link to my mom just so she can see everything. She can read the entire thing, not just the one. And here's what my mom says. She responded in this way. Whoa, thanks for sharing. Now I really have to help you with your love life, LOL. She, that's all she responded to the entire survey. There are pages of stuff to read. She honed in on the one thing. So anyway, what's my point? Where, where am I going with this, Kenny? Where am I going with this? So I got to figure out why. How to like? Why is that there? What? Uh, let me read about it. And it says, said this: Architects break the dating process down into measurable steps, then complete the plan with great precision. In a purely rational world, this would be foolproof. However, it ignores important factors such as human nature. People with the architect personality type are intellectual, always developing a world in their heads that is more perfect than reality. Dang. When there's something that you've never seen before in your character, something hidden, something that someone exposes for you, how do you normally respond? Now, obviously, for this, this is not true. Let's get that clear, all right? But let's say it was true. How does it respond? It changes your reality when someone invokes, presents something hidden. Jesus tried to communicate this in the parable that we're going to look at today. Let's read Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46. It says here, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, 
When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Can you imagine finding a treasure like that? I looked back and I thought back to when I was a little kid and you know when 20 bucks is a lot of money to you? I don't know, what are you, like middle school or something? And let's say someone like drops 20 bucks in the ground. What do you do? You, oh, this is what I did. I'd go, I'd look around, I'd put my foot on the money, talk to people. Yeah, 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 it's really nice. And then when people cleared up, what'd you do? You're like, I gotta tie my shoe, right? And then you like, uh huh, and you got the money in your hand. And then, you know, if you have time in your pocket, put in your shoe, whatever. There's many different ways of doing it. But the point is, when I was a kid, I found that valuable. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do anything I can to get that money. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus is trying to communicate. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's a great thing. It's real treasure. It's so amazing that this man liquidated all his assets just so he could get the field where the kingdom of heaven was in. Just so he can get that. Now, this isn't saying, and I want to clarify this as we continue going, this is not saying you can buy or earn your way into the kingdom of heaven. I want to make sure that's clear. All right? We don't buy it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It wasn't even his. But rather, once you understand what it's like, you'll do anything to get it. That's the main point. Like Ken said last week, parables aren't complicated, right? But we have a lot of scholars that like to talk. So let's make things a little complicated. Right? Let's, let's go into it. So I look at some of the Greek, and I try to understand this word treasure. Now, it's pronounced, the word treasure in Greek, theisauros. Can we all say that together? Theisauros. That is the singular version. There is a plural version called theisaurus. Can we say that together? Theisaurus. This is important. I hope you're paying attention, because we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures here where it's referenced. Scriptures that you may actually know to give us a better sense of how we're using this word. And here, the definition, according to that scholar, Will Arndt, he said it's a place where something is kept for safekeeping, a repository. So it's kind of almost as if the treasure isn't really the treasure. It's like containing something else, right? That's kind of the sense that you get. Let's say in Matthew 2, verse 11, it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures. Can we say it together? Theisaurus, say it again, Theisaurus, and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What is that? Who are they talking about there? Jesus, right? Do not store up for yourselves, say it with me, Theisaurus on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. For where your Theisaurus is, there your heart will be also. Are these sounding familiar? Jesus looked at him and loved him. Oh, this one hurts. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have Thesaron, sorry, it's a little bit different, in heaven. Then come, follow me. Awesome. Amazing. Used very specifically to create a point. 
an understanding of how valuable it really is. Your treasures, what we treasure, what you treasure, is valuable. Now imagine being in the owner of the house. Why was this treasure buried in the first place? Right? If it's really treasure, you want to use it. But it's in the ground. So some scholars thought maybe death. Maybe if someone was going out and got killed and then just forgot. They hid it in the owner's field and, you know, they just lost it. They died and they couldn't get it again. Or maybe protection. Maybe someone knew about it who wasn't the owner of the field and he's just trying to protect it. He's like, I'll wait to get it later. Or maybe they just forgot. Maybe the owner of the field literally dug it up years back and just didn't remember why it was there. Or maybe it lost value. Or maybe you just didn't care. I mean, these are all, they're not all mutually exclusive. They can go hand in hand. But the point is, it was buried there in the first place, right? This is what the scholar says, Nolan. It's clear from the finder's actions that if he or she knew of the treasure's existence, the existing owner of the field would want to lay claim to it. But in our story, the owner does not know or has forgotten that the treasure exists. How sad is that? You've got a billion dollars in your field and you have no idea. Or you've forgotten. It's lost value. So I brought, I have a demo here. I'm going to have my men come queue up and be ready to go. But I made this box. It took me weeks to make this. And as you can see in this box, it says, what does it say? I can't hear you guys. Okay, thank you. All right, there you go. Top it says, Te Sarus, treasures, right? So, oftentimes as Christians, what we do is, usually when we start studying the Bible, when we first make that decision to commit as disciples, as we have our treasure chest, and it's very obvious, it's very, it's here, it's open, it's obvious. And there's things in this chest that help us connect to Christ. So for me, we've got a few things here. Here, you know, I've got this Bible, for example. Now, I got this Bible my senior year in high school uh, from my uh, youth minister at the time, who's Reuben DeAnda. He wrote a little note here. And I've kept it ever since. I use it daily. Why? Because I remember how much of a brat I was in high school and how I was able to change my life. And the fact that I did it blows my mind. Here, I've got also a flyer for our first Bible talk in college at UCLA. I went to UCLA undergrad. And I remember I was the only guy on campus. There were no other, girl, or there were no other guys. Uh, so I was like, do I have to like lead or anything? Can I just sit back in the side? And they're like, no, you got to do something. So I led my first Bible talk, and it was terrible. But over time, I grew, and I had training. I had help. Treasure. Committed to Jesus. And here's a cape that uh, the sisters made for Sisters Encouragement Night. And on it, it says, Kenny, Avenger, Evangelistic. And they gave us swords, and it was really encouraging. And I remember just, like, putting this around and just putting it on like this and just going around and just feeling so great because it helped me remind me, hey, even though you're going through some struggles, you're a disciple. You are evangelistic. I was so grateful. And we have treasures like this that we value. They're so worth it to us. But over time, what do we do? We bury them. Put more dirt on them. 
more dirt, more dirt. Maybe kick it around. You're like, whatever. You know, we don't value it as much. Instead, we get some new treasures, which I'm going to have the guys come up with. Let's give a round of applause to Ryan and Justin. You guys can just put it right here. It's fine. So, I got this treasure chest I imported from China. And oftentimes, we look at old treasures or we look at the treasures that we first received and we're like, that's great, but I need something new. I need something better. So let's say we get a bigger chest. It's bigger, right? Let me move this table for you guys. It's bigger. It's awesome. It's greater. It's older, so it must be more exquisite or whatever. We, we come up with reasons. And then we put some stuff in the treasure chest that's awesome. For example, here's a degree I got from UCLA in grad school. And this is, I had the dual master's degrees, right? So I had both of these. These are awesome, right? Great. What a treasure. Everyone in the world would be like, that's, you did good, Kenny. You did good, right? What else do I have in here? I've got my iPad Pro. Anyone have an iPad Pro? This thing's amazing. I use it every day. New treasure. I've got a, a picture of Cody as my, one of my good friends. I don't know why I kept this. I don't know why. But it's for his graduation. They're all handing it out for his graduation. They're like, good job, Cody. Yes. Another treasure. I've got some ping pong paddles. Anyone like ping pong? I protect this with my life. You can't use this unless you have my permission. And then, you know, bows, headphones. Yeah, different stuff like that. But here's what's interesting. I also have more intangible treasures, like stability. Humor. Wealth. Do you guys relate to those treasures? Success. These are things that I've learned to value. And over time, you can put these here and you're using them and they're out and they're about and you love them and you value them more than your real treasures. The Thesaurus. We substitute real treasures for fake treasure. We do it all the time. If you just look at your life, you know that. You guys take this? Thank you. Give him a round of applause. I think some of us today could be like the original owner of that field. At some point, you value the kingdom of heaven, knowing that you have a relationship with God, knowing that you're, it's worth more than anything in the world. It was your real treasure. And over the years, you bury it to the point where you've forgotten how valuable it really is. What in your life are you unwilling to sell so that you can be with Jesus? What in your life are you unwilling to sell so that you can be with Jesus? We usually have something. There's usually someone. Here are a couple examples. If you're afraid to publicly identify yourself as a disciple, to family, friends, acquaintances, whatever, then your image is more important in you than Jesus. Straight up. 
if I go to your job and people don't know that you are a Christian, there's something you're hiding. If I go to your school and people don't know you're a Christian, there's something wrong with that. I'm not talking about the randos that you never talk about. I'm talking about the people you call your friends. If you're treasuring something other than the kingdom of heaven, then you're just like that owner who owned the field and just forgot what his true treasure was. If someone, someone told me this the other day, if someone came up to you and, I said, and said, I'll sell you a brand new yacht, no strings attached, your, your first question should be, how much, right? If they said 10 million, you'd be like, not worth it. If they say 1 million, you'd be like, mm, not worth it for most of us. I don't know, some of you, maybe you're rolling like that, but for most if they say 100K, you're like, not worth it. If they say 1K, you'd be like, absolutely. I'll be back in an hour with your money. <laughs> Even if you had no money, because you know how valuable a yacht is. Right? And you know you can flip that. Let's not get into that. Okay. <laughs> Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is worth so much war. It's worth everything you have. Brothers and sisters and friends, please don't forget. Real treasure is always worth it. Can we say that together? Real treasure is always worth it. Can we move on? Was that point clear? How can you have joy when it looks like and feels like you're losing? Anyone like losing? You? 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 Anyone like losing? No one likes losing, right? When you're losing capital, resources. But the parable says this, in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Did you notice that the man hasn't even used the treasure yet? He hasn't used it yet. He's joyful without even using the thing that's supposed to bring him the joy, right? He took a good look at it and he saw exactly what he needed because joy doesn't come from the outcome. Did you know that? Not from the outcome. It comes from the process. Going through the process. Experiencing the process. Having, quote-unquote, a relationship. You guys hear that before? Is it a joy for you to give things up for Christ? Maybe the owners got to a point where they knew the treasure was buried, but did not want to do the work to dig it out. Can you imagine the thing in the kitchen or something like, oh, remember that treasure, honey? A man and a woman. Remember that treasure, honey? Oh, yeah, I remember that. You want to go get it? No, it's too much. you got to get a shovel. you got to... I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Maybe they complained about it. Why did I bury it in the ground? Why didn't I just stash it under my mattress or put it in a bank or something? What was I thinking? It's not worth... I'm not going to go get it. If you guys know anything about me, you know that I hate complaining. I hate it even when I do it. Now, I know we're the West Side Church, and I love this church. I've been here since 2004. I've been here for a while. So I've heard a lot of complaints over the years. And I know Kawhi Leonard. I know Paul George, I know Anthony Davis, and I know LeBron James are all in the same city, so we have high expectations as a church. (laughs) It makes sense. The best people are here. However, 
Complainers cross their arms and tell you everything you need to do, but don't get their hands dirty and help out. I'm just being real. I'm one of them, too. They tell you what you need to change, but aren't willing to be a part of the change. Do you know you can complain by just your body language? Did you know that? You don't have to say a word. I know, oh, this person's complaining right now. And we all know that. We all feel it. We all see it. Complainers, if you're out there, or those of you who have ever complained before, maybe we're not complainers. We know we got church problems. Partly because you're in it. We're people, right? We make mistakes. Okay. Here's some advice. Grab a shovel and do something to help. Stop complaining. Find healthier ways to serve. There are healthy ways to disagree. There are healthy ways to voice issues. I do it all the time. Just ask Steve. I share with him everything. I feel I don't know if I agree with that. But do it in a way that's helpful. Useful for building others up. So when he hands you a shovel, don't try to knock people out. (laughs) I promise you, you will not help. I think some of us have maybe lost the value in kingdom of heaven. And I guarantee you, it's not going to come back if you keep complaining. It won't come back if you walk away. It won't come back if you switch churches. It returns when you remember that Christ is your king. So grab a shovel, start digging. Joy comes not when all is well, but when there are problems and you decide to become a part of the solution. Can we agree with that? Let's say this together. Joy comes in the process, not from the outcome. Is that, is that clear? Can we move on? Amen. Let's, let's close out here. But what about the pearls? You guys thought I forgot about it, didn't you? What about the pearls? Again... The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, pearls in the ancient times were super valuable. If you found the right one at the right time, you could become like a millionaire overnight. These were so valuable. They were so worth it. They were so exquisite. People knew when they found a pearl. Now, it's interesting because this word is pronounced ma margarites. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. This is not where the alcoholic beverage, margaritas, comes from. I looked it up just to check. Maybe, you know, it is, it is exquisite. It is valuable. But no, it's not. It's so much better than a margarita, okay? And it's referenced once earlier in Matthew. Does anyone remember where? I know one of you scholars. Someone remember? Pearls. Think pearls. What are you guys thinking? Do not cast your pearls. What am I doing? I'm going the wrong way. Sorry about that. Now I'm going the wrong way. Okay. Matthew 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your margaritas, not margaritas, margaritas, both would be bad, to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Who's saying this? 
Jesus. Who's he talking to? His disciples. This is a hotly debated scripture here. Is he talking about the Gentiles? Who are the dogs? Who are the pigs? The Jews who are like, don't give it to the Gentiles. That's what some scholars think. Or maybe it's within the church. So a lot of the Jews that became Christians became Judaizers. They would persecute Gentiles who became Christians. So maybe he's talking about them. I don't know. This one's debated. It's, it's inconclusive. I read a lot about it. But here's what I think. Here's something that's really interesting. Here's the irony in this passage as, as we read about what the scholar Nolan says about these dogs. He says, scavenging wild dogs. I can just see them in his computer typing. Scavenging wild dogs. Such dogs were never fed. They fended for themselves and disposed of organic rubbish in the ancient world. They were always hungry and capable of aggressive and hostile behavior. Pigs form a contrasting image. They are domestic animals and they are fed, indeed fattened, for the market. I have a question for you guys. We know that this is a positive caricature. It's negative. And it's hard to figure out what that scripture is really talking about. But what are we when we don't have God in our lives? What are you when you don't have God in your lives? Perhaps you might be a dog, scavenging to be the best, fighting for everything, putting others down, eating rubbish because it feels good to the world around you. Or a pig, eating a lot, being happy, being grateful, but slowly being led to what? Your slaughter. When you don't have Christ as your king, what are we? And it's so interesting that Jesus was able to find this passage and say this, and the irony in it is that he says it to the disciples so that they understand something. Some people might not value the word of God. Some people might not value the kingdom of heaven. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the exact opposite. Because what did Jesus do in his mercy? What did he do in his love? He died. And he saw you and every single person here as that pearl. He valued you so much. So much more valuable than anything else in the world. And what do we do as a response? Tore him to pieces. Trampled. Destroyed him. But why does he do it? Why did he do it? Because you are his true, real treasure. That's the whole point. His entire pastor scripture saying, don't you see what the kingdom of heaven is like? The kingdom has a king. Your king is Jesus. What did he do? He died for you. He wants you to have a better life. If only you could see what's hidden in here, you would know. Jesus' joy is that you are his treasure. So, what are we going to do about it? Here are some action steps. Number one. Read, meditate, memorize those two scriptures. You're like, why? You'll see. Just do it. Number two, make a fake treasure chest last box. Similar to what I have here, I have carefully and, and emphatically made this as a representative, representation of what you can do. But make a fake one. 
And the, put inside of it the valuables that distract you from Christ. The things that destruct you. The things that you know aren't helping you get closer to be in the kingdom. And I want you to give that to your friend for a week. Someone that won't give it back to you after you cry for a day. Someone that will, can hold it for a week. And then make a real treasure chest. A real, you can get a box if you want. I imported that one from China. <laughs> Label it Thesaurus or a real treasure and put inside it the valuable items that connect you with Christ. And keep it somewhere visible for a week. Because sometimes we have these valuables here, but we bury them. We put them away. Bring them out. Keep them on your shelf. Put them in your kitchen. Put it in your desk. Put it wherever you can see it every day. And try that for a week. And see how that changes your attitude. See how that changes your heart. That sound good? Can we do that, church? Alrighty, so let's close out here as we get the singers to come. I want us to repeat this. Or actually, Steve to come. I want us to repeat this here, alright? You guys ready? Number one, real treasure is always worth it. Say it with me now. We're, we're advanced. We're in the west side. Number two, joy comes in the process, not from the outcome. And number three, Jesus' joy is that you are his treasure. Everyone say, I am his treasure. I am his treasure. Say it again. I am his treasure. I am his treasure. You bring him joy. You're always worth it. Now respond this week as if you love him. Thank you, guys. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.